Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to equip, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today is July the 12th. Been a while since we've been together, but we are working, still working our way through the book of Galatians together. <clears throat> Last time we were together, we actually got down to Galatians chapter number 3 and verse number 14. So, just for the sake of some context here, going to back up to verse number 10 and pick up there. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Again, this verse is condemning the Judaizers who were trying to get the grace believers to submit to only portions and not in all things of the law, and in this situation, circumcision. Okay, and understand that the Judaizers or Jews um, who um, were guilting the Jewish grace believers um, that they needed to keep the entire law. Um, the point is that for one to place themselves back under any part of the law is to place themselves back under the entire law, um, which is the curse. Uh, the curse is you must do it all, not just the parts that you are fond of. So as for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. So if you're under any part of the law, you're under the entire law. And he says, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. His point is that no man is justified by the law in this current dispensation. Notice the phrase is justified by the law. It is in a present passive tense, okay, which implies that there was a past in regards to the law, but now there is a present in regards to the law, and it requires a dispensational view. Um, the just shall live by faith. I mean, it's coming from Habakkuk 2.4, Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, in him but the just shall live by faith his faith, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith in this current dispensation that Paul is dealing with here. Now notice it says in verse 12, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. The them in this verse is a reference to the law. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them, the laws. Okay? It is a quote from Leviticus 18.5. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them, which is referring to God's statutes and his judgments. I am the Lord. And again, Paul's point is that people under the present dispensation are justified by faith. And that present dispensation began with the gospel of grace 
The people in this current dispensation are justified by faith and not by keeping the law. In context, he is still addressing those who wanted to mix law with grace. The law is not a pick-and-choose option. It is an all-or-nothing proposition. Look in verse 10 again. For as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse, as is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. So it's not a pick-or-choose option. Okay, It's an all-or-nothing proposition. And he's going to elaborate on this further in Galatians chapter 5. In verse 2, when he says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. In other words, if you place yourself back under the law, Christ will profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that you are a debtor to keep the whole law. Again, it is an all-or-nothing proposition. You cannot pick and choose. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. That doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It means that you're no longer under grace if you place yourself under the law. Christ is of no uh, profit to you. At that point, and he says again, these verses will make will not make sense, and they will even contradict if they are not viewed through the dispensational lens. Justification by works is the kingdom gospel, but justification by faith is the graced gospel. And Paul's point here is that it is impossible to have one foot in both of them. You cannot do both. It's an either-or proposition. You're either under the law or you're under grace. If you're under grace and you attempt to place yourself back under the law, you've forfeited grace. Again, it's impossible to rightly divide without a dispensational view. Now notice verse, verse 13 Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. In this current dispensation of which Paul is speaking, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law, meaning we do not have to keep it. Notice that it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The word redeemed means he has purchased us. The purchase was that Christ became the curse by his death. And remember that Christ redeemed. Now, we need to be careful when we read this. Even the way I said it, you know, Christ has redeemed us. Okay, when we read that in the church today, we assume that Paul is talking about us. Christ has redeemed us, me, you the body of Christ, from the curse of the law. That's not the case at all, because the us there is not referring to the Gentiles. The us there is not referring to the body of Christ. The us there in context is the nation of Israel. 
So the verse is, Christ has redeemed the nation of Israel from the curse of the law, and he has become a curse for them. Now, again, you have to understand how important pronouns are in biblical interpretation. The we, us, in the epistle are the Jews. Galatians 2, verse number 15. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. The we in this epistle is Paul speaking of the Jewish nation. The ye and you in the epistles is referring to the Galatian Gentiles. Okay? Um, and again, Paul is speaking here to Galatian Jewish believers. So when he speaks of the Galatian Jewish believers, he uses we us. When he's speaking of the Galatian Gentiles, he's speaking ye, you. The ones that are redeemed were not the ye, you, but the we, us. Why? Because the Gentiles have never, ever, or ever will be under the curse of the law. Therefore, they did not need redemption from the law. Instead, the Bible says that the Gentiles were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. So Paul, here in this verse, is addressing the nation of Israel. It is the nation of Israel that was redeemed from the curse of the law because the law was never given to the Gentiles. Now, I know for a lot of people, just that blows their minds because, again, we have been raised in a church that does a very bad job of separating the nation of Israel from the rest of the world does a very bad job of separating the nation of Israel from the body of Christ. Instead, what we have done today is we have made them one and the same. And even my dispensational brothers are guilty of this because even they do not make enough distinction between the two. So truly, definitionally, it is the nation of Israel that was redeemed. The body of Christ has never really, quote, been redeemed because we were never under the law to be redeemed from. But yet we use the word redeemed in the same sense. It doesn't mean the same thing. As a matter of fact, I've pretty much come to the conclusion we're not really the redeemed. The redeemed is the nation of Israel. And again, we've, we've talked about this. And again, you know, people get all upset and they'll start looking at you like you're a heretic because you're challenging years of church teaching, erroneous church teaching that has come out of covenant theology that has very much poured over into modern dispensational theology. And again, I can make my argument starting at Acts chapter number 2. 
Acts chapter number 2 has nothing to do with the body of Christ. There is no body of Christ in Acts chapter number 2. And the very fact that 98, 99 point whatever percent of the church today sees them sees the church being born in Acts chapter number 2 means that they have succumbed to aspects of covenant theology. Um, so verse number 14, if you still are doubting it, verse number 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. So obviously, <laughs> verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, as it is written, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. So the us there is referring to the nation of Israel, not the Gentiles. Through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Interpretation requires that the we there is still referring to the us, which is the nation of Israel. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. Again, the Gentiles were never under the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Through how? Jesus Christ. That we, referring to the nation of Israel, might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the nation was redeemed for two reasons. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So the removal of the curse from Israel allows the blessings that Israel has received to come on the Gentiles. And number two, that we, again, the we here is referring to the nation of Israel, might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. They, the nation of Israel, were the ones that received the promise of the Spirit through faith when at Pentecost. Again, Pentecost was a Jewish thing, not a Gentile thing. And notice verse number 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of, manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now, his point here is that in response to the covenant, that God made with Abraham that he just finished talking about, okay? He says, back up here, <laughs> referring to Abraham and the blessing. So his point is that in response to the covenant that God made with Abraham, he can only think as a mere mortal. And that means that God made a deal with Abraham, and he was not going to change his mind by getting rid of it or adding to it. So that's just Paul. He says, brothers, I speak after the manner of men. In other words, I'm just using the logic, the intelligence that God's given to me. Though it be a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereunto. In other words, God, God is not going to change his mind in regards to his plans and his purposes in regards to the covenant that God made with Abraham. Notice verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. They were not made to Gentiles. 
They were not made to the body of Christ. And I've mentioned this before. The, the body of Christ has nothing to do with the covenants. We are not under a covenant. We're not part of a covenant. We're not in the new covenant. Um, now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So, back to the promises that God gave to Abraham and his descendants, they involved a land, they involved a seed. Notice in Romans 9, 4, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption. So, who are the adopted ones? The Israelites, and the glory and the covenants. So the adoption, the covenants, the giving of the law, and the service of God, and all the promises were to who? The nation of Israel, and to the seed. Look in Romans 15, 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of who? The circumcision. You and I are the uncircumcision for the truth of God. To why? To confirm the promises that God made to who? The fathers, the nation of Israel. Notice that he saith not, and to seeds is of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Now, this is where many translations go off the rails, and I'll wrap up here. This is where a lot of translations go off the rails. Um, in that they do not consistently translate some Old Testament passages in this regard. Um, in Genesis 13, 15, For all the land which thou seest to thee I will give it, and to who? Thy seed forever. Genesis 17, 8, And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So the word translated in all of these verses, and you can look up many more, is always in the singular. It's not in the plural. And Paul here is bringing this out when he says, he didn't say into seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed. And who is that seed? That seed is Christ. So if that seed is Christ, it means that whenever it speaks of the word seed in these verses, it's not speaking of the nation or the descendants. It's speaking of Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. Now, I've read a lot of commentaries, and they try to dance around this and make poor Paul sound like he didn't know what he was talking about. But Paul is being pretty emphatic here that it is not seeds as of many, but as of one and thy seed, which is Christ. That means that in all of these verses, the land of Israel is the inheritance of Christ, and that the the promises would be fulfilled ultimately in Christ. Christ would be the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. 
And again, the other translations mess this up. Look in Genesis 13, 15. For all the land which thou seest, I will give it to thee and to thy seed forever. Now, if you go to, I don't know, NIV here, uh, and I will give it to your offspring. New American Standard, and I will give it to your descendants. The ESV, and I will give it to your offspring. What does the New King James do? And I will give it to your descendants. But the King James says, and I will give it to your seed forever. There's a difference. It's in the singular in Genesis 17, 8. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land. Yet you go over into the other translations. Um, and I will give unto as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. The ESV, uh, an everlasting possession, all the land of Canaan. I see, and I will give to you and your offspring. Yet Paul is making an argument here that it is not as it is not as to seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. So again, that means in these verses, the land of Israel is the inheritance of Christ. The promises of the Abrahamic covenant will ultimately be fulfilled in the seed, in Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God, how? In Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, could not disannul. What that means is the Abrahamic covenant, the law was not given until 430 years after the Abrahamic covenant. And it cannot disannul that it should make the promises of none effect. In other words, the, co- the law did not make the covenant of no effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, there would be no more promise. So the promise was given 430 years before the law, and God gave that promise to Abraham. And the law did not disannul, the law did not disaffect that promise that God gave to Abraham. Again, Paul is pointing out that the covenant given to Abraham by faith was in Christ. Just like the gospel that he preached and the law had no bearing on it since it wasn't given until 430 years later. So Paul's conclusion here is that the promises made to Abraham were by faith and not the law. Therefore, the two should not be mixed together i.e., verse number three. And of course, uh, if you go back to Galatians 3, 3, are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit, or are you now going to be perfected by the flesh? In other words, it could be read, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit or by grace through faith, and now you're going to be made perfect by keeping the law? No. Abraham was made perfect or made complete 430 years prior to the law simply by faith. And it's the same thing for the body of Christ today. We are not made perfect or complete by the keeping of the law. We are made perfect and complete by the same faith that Abraham had when God gave him the law, gave him the promises. 
So that is what he is saying there. Um, I think I'm going to stop there for now. I'm at 22 minutes, and we'll pick up next time. Uh, just bear with me. I'm working my way through this together. It, so much of what we're studying right now challenges what we have learned before. Again, we read the book of Galatians, and we immediately assume that Paul is talking to the body of Christ. Um, and, and, you know, that he's talking to Gentiles. And again, we've got to change our perspective if we're going to properly understand uh, Paul's writing to the Galatians. And again, I would encourage you to take a look at my recent uh, book, um, uh, The Book of Acts, a mid-Acts perspective, Again, you can get that on Amazon, either in Kindle or hardback. And then you can go to my website, duanespearman.org, and you can listen to the whole thing, and you can read all the notes without having to, to buy that. But I would encourage you, um, we've got to change our perspective about Pentecost, because that, to me, is where the church has really fallen off the rails uh, in that regard. And it goes all the way back, as far as I'm concerned, to Augustine when he spiritualized uh, what he thought should have happened and didn't. Um, and of course, what should have happened was that Christ came, he was crucified. Um, and at Pentecost, the kingdom was offered to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel rejected it. But, but what the nation of Israel should have done was accepted it. We would have went into the tribulation. Christ would have returned and established his kingdom. That didn't happen. So God raised up the apostle Paul to reach the Gentiles. But what Augustine done is he spiritualized all of that. The kingdom did come. It's a spiritual kingdom. And we are the nation of Israel now either physically or spiritually, depending on who you talk to. But either way, we are the nation of Israel. All the promises, all the covenants are for the church now. Christ, the Pope, is the vicar of Christ on earth in this kingdom. He spiritualized everything. And the Protestant reformers did very little to challenge that, to fight that. And we still see that in the church today. We've spiritualized the Word of God to make it say something it doesn't actually say. Anyway, God bless you guys. Till we meet again, God bless you. Have a great day.